Alice Williams, welcome to the ninth edition of the Roma Pod. Absolutely thrilled and delighted to have you with us today. You're someone that we've known for a long time, uh, but for the benefit of those that are new to Pilotfish, would you mind just giving a short introduction to yourself, your background, your company, um, and what it is that your firm does, please? Yeah, so I am director at Pilotfish and we're a commercial finance brokerage. So I head up the property side. We do kind of business as well on the business side. Um, and we've been around for about seven years now, but really ramped up the property offering probably the last four to five years. Um, I've got a keen interest in property. So I started out actually at Handels Banking um, in the kind of more boutique banking kind of area very quickly realized that sitting behind a desk really wasn't for me. Um, a bit too hyperactive for that, I think, a bit too twitchy uh, to spend all day every day sat behind a desk. So um, I came into the finance brokerage world, joined Pilotfish, and very, very, very quickly discovered that um, real estate finance was for me. So much so that I think in the last year, I have started my master's in real estate finance and investment, which I should graduate from next year. Um, that will then allow me to become a chartered surveyor, uh, which is very exciting. And then I've done all my regulated mortgage advisor exams as well now. So yeah, very much gearing myself up to become a property finance specialist and enhance what I already do and know. Well, that's fantastic. Um, and it's interesting that you used to work at Handels Banken because they are one of the firms um, that we originally based our business model on. Um, they've got a fantastic uh, uh, operating model where they um, have um, lo local specialists that they can that, that they work with and rely on. They open local offices. They do the opposite of what the big banks do that are centralizing. They did. They they decentralize um, and they open offices that are local to the customers that they're working with that have specialist local market knowledge um and also they know the customers intimately um and you know that's something that, that we think is actually a very good model um and is the opposite of what a lot of the major banks are doing um so that's very interesting and the masters in real estate in investment what gave you the the what gave you the uh the, the idea to do that and where you're doing it and and, and how is that being done which university etc yeah so it's all being done distance learning it's a two-year course, um, so I'm a year in at the moment. And to be honest, I was just getting a bit twitchy. I've always been one that learns. I love learning. I like reading. I um, very much like putting myself under a lot of pressure. It's a bit, a bit weird, really. Uh, but I kind of perform best under pressure. If I give myself deadlines to learn things and... Um, give myself a reason to learn something that I will but equally I'm quite lazy so if I don't give myself a reason to learn something I just won't get around to doing it so it was um, this understanding of I want to learn more of the analysis that goes behind it um, more of an overview of the real estate industry as a whole so I've done a valuation module um, I did an economics module but I read economics at my um, at my bachelor's so and then I've got a law module estate management module um, a finance module go figure so hopefully that should go quite well um, so it was just a push to myself to kind of increase my understanding of the real estate sector and it's also a RICS accredited course so it was a quicker route into getting that chartered surveyor status uh, because the master's runs at the same time as completing my professional competencies. 
So upon graduation in theory, I should have my MSc and my MRICS um, in theory, providing all the interviews and everything line up at once. That's fantastic. Which university is that? Uh, university of West England. It was one of the very few that would do it distance learning and the real estate finance and investment course. A lot of them didn't do finance at all. Mm -hmm. um, and again, maybe a bit of laziness shining through, but the curriculum covering economics, which I could do anyway, and then a finance module, which again, I can do uh, work quite nicely in my skill set. Fantastic. And um, is it something that's expensive? No. So, well, yes, but no. So I think it's about £12,000, but I get my master's loan. So my master's student loan. Uh, so I pay for it monthly <laughs> out of uh, my salary. So yes, expensive, but no, I didn't have to fork out a whole load of money up front for it. That's very, that's very good. Um, one of the initiatives that you have started recently um, that we've been involved with a little bit is the Pilot Fish Academy. Mm -hmm. um, and you've, you're doing this for business finance and you're doing it for bridging finance as well. That's a very interesting mm -hmm. initiative, but for the benefit of those that are listening that haven't heard of, of it, please, would you mind giving some background? Yeah, so the whole idea of the Pilot Fish Academy, again, was probably a bit of twitchiness on my part and wanting to give myself another thing to do. Um, but it was all centered around the number of people that were actually getting in touch and there wasn't necessarily that thorough understanding of the products. So you'd have somebody call up and say, um, I think I need bridging finance, but could you explain to me how it works, what it is? Um, I've read about it and it, it's no offense intended against anybody, but I've read about it on Facebook. Can you tell me what it is? And it was a little bit concerning almost that people were going on to these finance products. They were being very trusting of their brokers, which is brilliant. You should be, you should have that relationship there. But I do think that the borrowers and, and the people kind of attending the academy should be in an empowered position where they understand everything. I don't think you should ever go into something that you do not understand. So I set up the academy. There's a bridging finance course, a BRR finance course, a development finance course, um, and then a commercial mortgages one and a portfolio mortgages one coming soon. And they're all completely free online videos. Each one's about an hour and a half, two hours worth of videos, um, all broken down. So what is it? Who provides these loans? Um, what are the interest rates you can expect? What cost can you expect? And trying to cover everything from the absolute basics for the people that are completely new to bridging finance to those that have maybe used it a couple of times, but don't necessarily have a full appreciation of uh, the full process, everything that goes behind the scenes, maybe the thought process of a broker or a lender regarding experience or why something is priced the way it is. So I was just trying to put clients in a more empowered position um, and just do it for free because this is all information. If somebody called me up, I would give it to them. Um, and I did probably spend hours and hours and hours on the phone giving this free advice. So I thought, well, I may as well just put it all as a huge brain dump, but maybe a bit of a structured brain dump out somewhere online where people can take it all in. Um, maybe the concern about a question being too simple or 
too basic. So I've even tried to cover things like her video explaining what first, second and third charges are um, and how to calculate percentages on your phone calculator. Just so that if there's anything that people don't understand, but maybe have apprehensions asking or just want to be able to learn in their own time, if they've got a full time job, and want to learn it at the weekend. I just wanted to create something which is there for people to dip in and out of. That's fantastic. And one of the things that they always teach you in marketing, and, and I know that uh, our head of marketing hopefully won't chastise me for, for saying this, um, but one of the things they always teach you in marketing currently is, is actually how do you add value to a customer's experience of working with you? Um, and very much what you've got there is you, you're doing some, something which is value add to the customer, and hopefully because it's free, because of how you're doing it, because of how you're presenting it, um, it results in increased business. And ultimately, I guess that's the goal. Yeah, I mean, it is a goal or part of the goal. Um, I think the end goal is twofold. A, more business. Who doesn't want more business? There's no point pussyfooting around and denying it. And the second one was to have something where people call up. We can say, look, it's going to be a 15-minute phone call with me now. you kind of scribbling things down madly. Or here is actually a real quality course where you can sit in your own time, you can consume it, but any questions, let me know, get in touch. It, it's not shutting me off. Um, it's just helping me and helping the clients because they can consume things at their own pace, at their own speed, re-watch, re-listen. Um, and I think you'll probably find it when you're on the phone, there's always bits that you forget and you're thinking kind of 10 steps ahead and you forget to say things, whereas in this course, it should all be in there because it has been methodically planned out and structured to try and include everything. And, and that's fantastic. And as a result of the increased business um, that's come from that um, academy that you've been running, um, what trends have you found, um, uh, both within Pilotfish and in the market generally? Yeah, so I think there were a lot of people that were a bit shaken up when lockdown and everything started. There were lenders that stopped lending, and I can't blame them. I mean, it was a very scary, unnerving time. There was no historical event that you could base your current actions on, uh, which is normally what you consider when considering your next steps. So we did find that there were a few clients that, their application just halted. So we were having to find other options for them. From about May onwards, everything does seem to have opened up again. Um, there are a few people that have been impacted, maybe going over their development time um, or sales not going through as quickly. So we're seeing more developer exits being utilized now, which is brilliant because developer exits are probably not very well known about but they are basically bridging finance just with a fancy name because they exit you from a development. Um, and then people releasing equity from their portfolio, seeing what they can do. So I'd say that there has been a slight shift um, and there was a halt, uh, but things do seem to be picking up and they seem to be picking up at a quicker and a faster pace now than before lockdown started. 
Okay, that's fantastic. And um, in terms of obviously the, the changes that have happened and the government announcements that have happened during the lockdown period, in particular, um, the opportunity for um, the government planning changes and the opportunity to convert property from one use class to, a, to another, um, how do you think this will affect uh, the property and the, and the finance market and ultimately um, town centres and city centres themselves, Alice? Yeah, so I think it's great um but great within reason so i think everything has to be come up from two angles it's brilliant to get more development out there um we've got a few clients actually that are benefiting essentially from accidental planning games so with all the new airspace rights and things all of a sudden something they purchased six months ago is now worth a lot more because you can add those additional floors. So there's huge opportunity for those people because you can get things like 100% finance on things like that because of the planning game. Um, so there's huge potential for people that have purchased sites like that. It's just ensuring that they know that that's a possibility and that that applies to them. And that's where having a strong team, including like a planning consultant or something comes in. I think that there's going to be a lot of buying up these premises now, especially I think on the high street, because um, using Peterborough as an example, parts of our high street are just dire at the moment, really. They, and they have been for a long time. Uh, it's not a new thing. It's not a COVID thing. It has just been, unfortunately, I think the popularity of high streets has reduced. Um, personal opinion, a lot of that has to do with parking, ease of accessibility, um, and shopping isn't necessarily as much of a social event as it used to be, and not in the high street. You tend to go to the large shopping centres, um, which is a shame, but with the ability to now bring residential units into the high street, I do wonder whether that will help re-energise because you keep things like the hospitality sector. So you keep restaurants, you keep bars, and then all of a sudden they've got all these new residents that are within strong walking distance or stumbling distance on their way home from the pub um, that will then be using those uh, restaurants, those eateries that wouldn't necessarily have used them before they were within that walking distance. So I think it's good. It's just, it's going to hurt retail a bit potentially, but then it's the perfect opportunity for them just to rethink and remodernize. Um, you look at some of the retail that is struggling and part of it is maybe because they haven't been as forward thinking as they should have been um, in the way that they've changed things up, in the way that they've modernized. Um, and I think they might get hurt like that Primark are a huge example where they should have had an online offering um, because you look at lockdown, they couldn't sell. Um, I don't know whether you think the same, Scott, or well, what your thoughts are surrounding it. Well, I see that there's a huge opportunity to convert um, existing commercial space in prime city centre or town centre locations into residential. Um, but what type of residential would it be converted to so as an example here's a thought there's going to be lots and lots of um office space where there's limited parking for example or retail space where there's limited parking where the, the properties are in great locations that could be converted to residential um older people don't necessarily need or want or like to drive that much so it might be that 
office space could be converted into living space for older people in town centres. They've got all the bars and restaurants around them um, and they've got like a, a, a social life with um, living where actually you can have a pedestrianised zone and they're mixing with um, um, younger people in these spaces. You've got flats for younger people, you've got a, a assisted living for older people and you can almost see that the town centre city centres can get revived by having a residential boom which is actually um, what town centres um, could and should be used for which they should be social social environments at the end of the day um, and the fact that there is limited parking um, in town centres you know yes there is um, but I think that as city centres and town centres get revived for residential living so the need for a car reduces so lots of our friends um and, and couples who live in in london for example they only have one car or they don't have a car at all because they don't need a car um so people only have a car if they need a car um it's an expense that people could do without if they can do without it so i suspect we'll see over the next 20 years 15 20 years 10 15 20 years that town centers will be revived for what they were originally purposed for which is actually sociable living space for people of different ages and generations so although it's extremely difficult um, at the moment for people in retail hospitality um, travel tourism sectors undeniably actually you can see a lot of positive things happening and you know we are short of residential um, properties by something like 300,000 a year we need to you know create 300,000 more residential units per year actually the space is already there in town centers you know we can solve a lot of the housing crisis by repurposing existing property where um, the forward use class of those is going to need to change mm. um, so um, listen that, that might be uh, pie in the sky it's going to take an awful lot of, of work to get there but I see that um, if I was an older person um, I would want to be somewhere where I can mix with other people and you know being in a a, a suburb um, in a you know a senior living space where I've got nowhere to go I want to walk into a, a town centre I want to walk into a, a city centre I want to go and eat I want to go to the cinema I want to go to the theatre I want to do all those things that are within walking distance of of where I live um, so I think that we'll see a, a you know a seismic shift in what um, town centres and city centres are um, have been used for um, so you know in, in terms of um, moving from where we have been which is um you know a, effectively a very short sharp sharp shock to the economy during the lockdown period um and we move from major lockdown into what some people think could be a recession obviously we're experiencing a bit of a boom within the residential property market at the moment the opposite in commercial property what do you think the future holds um for our industry right now alice I think that as long as you are continuing to evolve, you're continuing to keep up with the times, I think that our industry will remain as it is. Um, it might become a bit more challenging, but then equally, it may be a better time for our kind of industry. So if we do head into a full recession where people start seeing the impact of being in recession, where at the moment we have these schemes, we've got the furlough schemes, we've got the grants and things that are holding things up so that even though technically we're in a recession, we probably aren't feeling it the same way that we have previous recessions yet. Um, 
I think that if things do start to um, evolve slightly more negatively, there are always going to be opportunities for people and there are always going to be winners and losers. Now, that it's awful um, and you really do feel for the people that are going to suffer negatively or potentially suffer negatively, but equally, those that snap up opportunities where people are having to sell properties, be it their commercial premises or even their residential property uh, where they can't necessarily sustain that residential property anymore, there are going to be big opportunities. So it's making sure that you are there, you are available to help for the financing of that. You're there to support people. Um, I think you help educate and inform clients as well. So um, a big one that we're seeing at the moment isn't necessarily down valuation. I'd be very cautious about calling them down valuations versus a valuation being returned lower than you expected. And that is a difference. Um, but kind of lower valuations and things, use them as a negotiation point. It doesn't mean that things are dead in the road. It means that you can go back to the vendor or something and say, look, this valuation has come back and that's saying that the property is worth this. Therefore, I can only pay this for it now. So there is going to be huge opportunity. It's just making sure that you keep yourself out there. You keep pushing, you keep going. Because when things do get challenging, it is very easy to go, do you know what? It's tough. I give up. I, I, I'm just going to go and hide. Whereas in challenging situations more so than ever is when you need to be out there. It's, it's when you need to be kind of putting the best service out there. You need to be getting yourself known. You need to be um, encouraging the business that is out there. There will always be business. It's just making sure that you are at the forefront of the people that are willing to give you business. I completely agree with you. I think there's some, there's some phrases that come to, that sprang to my mind as you were, as you were speaking. Um, one of them is um, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Um, a great Billy Ocean, was it Billy Ocean song, that one? Um, and uh, another one, which is, I think, one of my favourites, which is volatility creates opportunity. Um, and without doubt, um, we've seen opportunity uh, over the past um, five months. Um, and um, there will no doubt be some great opportunities going forwards. Um, Alice Williams of Pilot Fish, thank you so much indeed for joining us today. It's been a pleasure having you uh, on the Roma Pod, the ninth edition of the Roma Roma pod um, and we look forward to continuing to grow our relationship with pilot fish uh, over the next 12 18 24 months thank you very much thank indeed, you Alice. for having me scott many thanks bye for now